Welcome to the Unblocking Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It's meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of rambling wrecks. Welcome back to episode number 44 of Unblocking Crypto. A lot more interesting things continue to happen. Let's start out talking about Nexo. Nexo was one of the few lenders that didn't really go under because of giving out a bunch of uncollateralized loans. But they have made an announcement that they are starting to phase out products and services in the US. The reason being is there's just a lack of regulatory clarity. And they've been trying to provide about the last 18 months to work with both the state and federal regulators and nothing has really come out of it. So they are pulling the plug here in the US. They'll continue to work in other countries that are open to regulation, our proper regulation, but it's kind of disappointing that the US is, is somewhat falling behind in this. And the FTX story is a, a prime example of what's going on with the regulation piece right now. Genesis was in the news too. Genesis had some issues with FTX with all the fallout. They now have about $1.8 billion in loans between two groups that they owe to others. And there's still one more to go. The other group that is still yet to report is also being represented by the same bankruptcy attorney that is dealing with both Celsius and Voyager. BlockFi, we've talked about them for a couple of weeks now. It looks like they have about $355 million in digital assets that are stuck in FTX that are still frozen there. Almeida, the sister company to FTX, they had about $671 million in outstanding loans to them as well. So Almeida pretty much going to zero, that's got to hurt. And one of the reasons that BlockFi is filing for bankruptcy. Trader Joe, we, if you haven't heard of them, they had a lot of popularity in the probably nine to 12 months ago. They ended up becoming the number one DEX decentralized exchange on Avalanche. They are starting to deploy on Arbitrum. You know, we've, we've mentioned Arbitrum a few times. Arbitrum is probably one of the leading layer two chains on Ethereum. The target for this is probably in early January, but the only piece that they're really bringing over is the liquidity book automated market maker piece. There's a ton of other DeFi services that Trader Joe does have, including lending, launching tokens and staking and things like that. But none of that is coming over to Ethereum as of right now. Even with all the craziness going on, Goldman Sachs has come out and said they are planning to spend tens of millions of dollars to buy or invest in crypto firms, especially after FTX's demise. They currently have about 70 people working in their digital asset team. Also in the process of creating their own private distributed ledger, which is uh, pretty interesting. Coindex had an interesting article that came out that was really focused on the FTX collapse. What The way that they described it was that this was a crime, not an accident. They, they gave a bunch of examples, and I'll, I'll include the link to this article in there as well. But one of the ones is that Almeida was front-running all the FTX listings. So if you compare that to what happened with OpenSea, where there was some employees that were front-resting some of the uh, NFTs that were being listed, that employee is facing 20 years in prison. You're also... It, it talks about the insane personal loans to execs right now that they know about $4. billion in loans from Almeida. Billion of that, it went to SBF. There was $2.3 billion 
that went to an entity that he had 75% control of. The assumption is that that entity was used to pay off Binance in their ask to get their money back from their original FTX investment. Even the director of engineering got $543 million. And then the co-CEO of the FTX Digital Markets was able to get a $55 million loan. They also had a secretive purchase of a U.S. bank, which since they're a foreign company based in the Bahamas, that's a no-no. There was, um, I think there was another country that was trying to do something similar and it repeatedly got rejected over and over again by the U.S. government. The other interesting piece it said is the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times both continue to downplay what the facts of all this are. So they, I don't know if they really call it a cover-up, but they're amazed that they aren't calling a spade a spade, which is kind of what we've been talking about for a little while now. Let's talk a little, little bit about NFTs since we haven't really talked too much about that here lately, but some exciting things have happened there. Last week, for the first time in history, there was a house sold as an NFT. The house was in Columbia, South Carolina and sold for $175,000. We've been talking or I've been talking about this as a possibility in the future, and it's great to see kind of that first step really happening. And I'm looking forward to seeing if this changes the, the future of real estate as well. And other related news from NFTs, Mark Cuban, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, has been one, a huge crypto advocate, but also very intrigued with NFTs. And he is trying to look at how to turn some of their season tickets into NFTs. And part of the reason that they could do this is with an NFT, you can kind of assign a creator fee so that anytime there is a secondary transaction, you could get a percentage of that. So if you're selling the season tickets as an NFT and some of these large games go for a huge amount of money, it's an opportunity for, say, the Mavericks to get some additional revenue on top every time those tickets change hands. Uniswap, we've usually talked about them as a decentralized exchange for ERC-20 tokens on the Ethereum chain. Well, now they are kind of getting into the NFT space. So what they are doing is really aggregating all the world's top NFT platforms into a single location. And what they have said is they expect to be able to save all their customers about 15% on gas fees because of their new universal router contract, which is a, a smart contract that they just have released. Intriguing to see that you'll have theoretically the ability to go to one place and access all the different marketplaces for Ethereum NFTs in one location. And then gaming NFTs, there's still a lot of talk about that. What's interesting is if you look at where the peak of gaming NFTs was in 2021, it's about an $800 million market. If you compare that to what the total gaming industry looks like today which is about 300 billion that means there is a huge potential for growth the goal being to almost create an economy inside of a 300 billion dollar industry so exciting things to see i think there's a lot of people that are a lot of gaming companies that are going to be hurt by ftx too i've seen some of the companies that were all connected to ftx that have lost some money that FTX was holding and gaming is not one that's going to be able to sit this out. So still a ton of growth, ton of potential. If you ever want to niche down, there's lots of people you can kind of follow that are focused on gaming too. So that's all I got for this week. Thanks for joining. Looking forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks for journeying down the crypto rabbit hole with us. If you're interested in learning more about crypto, 
please join our private Facebook group on Block and Crypto. It's a small community discussing new ideas and just asking questions to learn more. Hope to interact with you there.